With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to Mama Crap, Mama Chat. I'm Megan Harvey, kind of stepping in as producer this morning. Um, And I've got with me, of course, Cinematic and Julie Piper, two of the Mama Crats. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. Good morning. And we're kind of, um, we're still, of course, for those of you who may not know, this is our second show, so we're still kind of working out kinks, getting our flow going. So just bear with us any awkward moments as we uh, move on from discussion to discussion because we mommocrats like to jump around a lot and cover all our bases. So <laughs> thanks to everyone listening. Um, we were just kind of chatting about a few few different current events. Um, Sin, what, what have you got going on this week? Ah, well, I'm just trying to survive until Thanksgiving. <laughs> well, yeah, and it, it, I was telling you a little earlier that, you know, my refrigerator died, so I just have to kind of have a little pity party for myself publicly here and, uh, you know, just feel sad for myself that this happened, like, right before Thanksgiving. So, well, no, of course, because I can't imagine uh-huh. there being a worse week to have yeah, exactly. your refrigerator, break, yeah. refrigerator breakdown. <laughs> right, right, right. So, yeah, that's that's my life in a nutshell. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking forward to the holiday because I, I don't know about you guys, but uh, here in Northern California where we are, we have the whole week off. No more of this we Thursday, have the Friday whole stuff. Week. Yes, we have the whole week yes. off next week. God mm-hmm. help us. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, this I'm looking week is forward kind of a toss-away week. I'm, you are. I'm yes. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm getting up and running back and forth to the school. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. You know what? I feel like lately, with all the fundraisers, there's just been a lot of events going on at the school. I feel like it's that's become the second job. I feel like I'm there half the time. <laughs> so I think it'll well, be a nice break true. to not be at the school. <laughs> And this week, you know, it's been yesterday, and I love the special events. I love when the kids do the special events. But yesterday, my oldest daughter was in a pilgrim plight. It was adorable. I filmed it. It was, you know, fantastic. I got all verklempt, you know, with the teary eyes, the way we do. And, uh, you know, so I, I love that. And yet, it ended up sucking up the better part of my day. And then tomorrow, there's a big Thanksgiving feast at the school, which, again, is nice. But then I have two lunch periods I have to cover, and it ends up taking a big chunk of the day. So I don't know. Maybe next week will be easier, although they'll be home all day. Well, so. you know, some of those holidays are like the longest 24 hours I've ever experienced. <laughs> to be perfectly frank, <laughs> you know? Yeah, so, I do know, do you, yes. Yeah. Do you guys host Thanksgiving at your own house, or do you go to in-laws or family's house? Oh, we're hosting this year, which is hence my anxiety about the refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have hosted at my house before, but generally we end up doing my sister's because um, for some reason everybody just thinks I live so far south of nowhere, um, and she seems to be a little easier for people to get to. Plus, on top of that, you know what? Of the two of us, I'm ambivalent about hosting. Like, it's fine, and I, I'm glad, and I welcome people to my home, and this is good. But I think that she really enjoys hosting, and I think that she prefers it. So, you know, yeah. with that said, I'm happy to let it be at her house. And uh, so we'll be going over there, um, and we'll actually be dividing ourselves, um, and we'll be eating, like, uh, enough food for a small nation probably on Thanksgiving. We'll do lunch with my in-laws and dinner with my sister and my family. So, Oh, good gracious. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, we, all, we tend to always, the last couple of years, we do it at our house mainly because logistically we're the most centrally located of everybody. So it's always yeah. easier for everyone to convene to our house because we are the, the midway point for all the family and stuff on both sides, my in-laws and my family as well. Yeah. So we you're going to have to forgive sudden squeals. I'm fostering a couple of kittens right now. 
who uh, need good forever homes, although they're working, they're lobbying really hard to make this their forever home, but they're so sweet. But whenever I get on the phone or computer, they get really excited and they come over and they climb. <laughs> <laughs> they Do you, are are so... your kids enjoying that? Because I've actually... Your kids enjoying fostering the kittens? What? I'm oh. sorry, my... Sorry about that. The, speaking of, I just got attacked by one of the cats. Well, I mean, not attacked. That would sound like a vicious thing. Yes, the kids are enjoying it. And actually, I find it really interesting that they understand the distinction between our cats and these cats. So that's that's really nice. These were these were cats in need, and so they are, you know, treasured visitors to our home. <laughs> yeah. Is we got we adopted the cat that we have now two Christmases ago. Um, we we became her forever home, and it just the I just fell in love with the lady through our local Tri Valley Rescue that had been fostering her before we adopted her, and and I it's been one of those things that's been in the back of my mind. Like I I really want to do that. <laughs> well, I kind of wanted to pivot a little bit from the holidays and the turkey to something a little less palatable on the menu, which is lame duck. <laughs> oh, yeah. See what I did, see what I did there? Yeah, I did that. That was, a not much segue. Of a that was actually a perfect, gentle segue, Sam. That was perfect. <laughs> um, and I guess because um, if, if you uh, belong or if you have signed up and, and, and or foolishly given your email away millions of times to um, all sorts of, you know, lefty, progressive um, online organizing Ooh. campaigns. You know, we're all hearing about the various pieces of legislation which are going to come up in the lame duck session, and there's, what, seven weeks or less to kind of make things happen. Um, and so, you know, to my mind, this is this is really kind of a confluence of really horrible timing because, of course, everyone's focus is on the holidays, Um which is both a, a positive and a negative. You know, you can have those rip-roaring, uh, uh, you know, um, knock-down, drag-out political fights over the, the turkey dinner, or everyone sort of politely just, you know, refuses to talk anything of the kind, and, you know, it's impossible to do any sort of dinner table lobbying for your pet interest. Really quickly, I just got breaking news. Then breaking news just came across. The Senate well, motion it? to bring the it, the Senate motion to bring the Paycheck Fairness Act to debate has failed, 58 to 41. <gasps> oh, yeah, that's exactly what I was talking about. I know that's that exactly what you're today. talking about. Yeah, yep. and so I'm really kind of worried because you know, don't ask, repealing, don't ask, don't tell is on the burners. Um, you know, there's talk amongst the various progressive caucuses to get you know the um, Disclose Act you know, up up and, and signed, and, uh, you know, they want to get the DREAM Act passed, um, you know, so just, everyone's kind of making all this noise, but it's it's a combination of coming off, for Democrats at least, kind of a bummer of a 2010 election, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and coming into these this holiday, which, you know, is difficult at best to achieve anything during during a time when, you know, Republicans are not insane, but when they're now insane, it's, you know, a thousand times more difficult. Absolutely. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Did it really fail? I kind of stopped listening there when you said it. Did it really fail? <laughs> I can't it, believe I, that. I hate to say I'm not. I'm not making that up. I I have it on. I have it on good authority here, um, and it's. I, I can. I can provide more detail here. It's the. Senate motion to bring the Paycheck Fairness Act to debate has failed 58 to 41, and that is truly unfortunate, um, but that's that's where we stand, and I, I think that's really indicative of um, where we are. It failed by two votes. That's yeah. It failed by yeah. two. You know, it was a procedural motion. It needed 60. It got 58. That's just not enough. I think mm-hmm. we have too many Democrats who've turned into apologists. And and they're no longer even straddling the fence. They've got their foot down on the other side, and it's it's trying to attract and appeal to what? I'm not really sure what the ultimate you know motion here is, but you know by by same time we've got um, in other acts of insanity we've got Joe Barton who is working to lead the House Energy and Commerce Committee. This is the guy who opposes wind energy and who cracked what I hope sincerely was a joke 
about what about if we run out of wind. And this is the guy who is putting in a bid to lead the House Energy and Commerce Committee. And, and, and you know what? Bless our Texans' hearts. He is, of course, you know, Texas. <laughs> because where else would he be from? And, you know, we've got Peter Sagal on, wait, wait, don't tell me, cracking jokes about this and saying maybe that they can uh, – you know, it just it's it's embarrassing, it's horrifying. Um I won't even talk about the elections in Texas recently cuz let's let's get over that. I'm trying really hard, but seriously, what happens when people like this take on an even bigger leadership role than they're currently in? We end up with a Congress that is so convinced of its own narrative. It's not hearing the people. Seriously, who votes against the Paycheck Fairness Act? Now, Who does that? Yeah, that's where I'm stuck. How, and how is that even considered how, – why is it even considered a partisan piece of legislation, which obviously it's, that's how it's being looked at, when it's not. It's paycheck fairness. I mean, it's, we're talking no-brainer here. How, how is that it, even debated? Is, specifically what it is, in case anyone doesn't know specifics about it, it was the Paycheck Fairness Act, S.3772, which you can go look up at opencongress.org. It's a bill to amend the Fair Labor Standards Act of 1938 to provide more effective remedies to victims of discrimination in the payment of wages on the basis of sex. And, and basically, it's just saying you're not allowed to discriminate. And, and more than anything, we can put a piece of legislation in place like this, and what it does is it provides a net, a safety net. It gives a basis, a foundation for people who do discover they are being paid unfairly. And that's going to be what's required to move our culture into stopping this practice. We can't rely on the goodwill of managers to not do this because sometimes it's subconscious, I think. Other times it's just mm-hmm. it's conscious. But nevertheless, the pay disparity exists. And we can no longer continue to say it's because women don't ask or it's because women take time off to be parents or it's because women aren't as educated. It's, it's we can no one longer of those, claim if, if, you're a, well, if you're a woman and you work, or you're a man and you live with a woman who works, it affects you. It has nothing, yes. you know, that's bottom line. So everybody needs to be paying attention to this piece of legislation. Because yeah. if you're in a household with a woman who's working, if this affects you. Unless yeah. that woman happens to be a CEO, very successful at a very good company where they do leverage paycheck fairness, but generally... For the rest of us, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> you know, and I have to say, I was doing some research on S3772, uh, and uh, every time I Googled, you know, a zillion and one right-wing nutjob sites would come up about how, oh, this is bad for business, blah, 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 you know, whatever. You're going to quote Phyllis Shafley now. Are you going to uh, quote Phyllis Shafley now? <laughs> no, I'm not. But what I'm saying is, you know, I, I was obviously looking for um, – you know, progressive takes on where the legislation was. You know, I just I wasn't sure if it was going to be brought up to, for a vote today or was it yesterday. I was just trying to double-check the date. And, you know, all of these websites came up with really recent um, postings about, okay, we got to stop this, we hate it, blah, blah. And I'm sad to say that it was really hard to find those liberal, left, progressive, feminist, um, sites that had sort of the equivalent Google juice. So, like, even on the sort of Google juice aspect, I felt really depressed because, you know, it really didn't seem to be in the forefront of a lot of people's minds. And, you know, you see some things going around on Twitter, so on and so forth, some things, you know, coming to your email if you, you know, are someone who's signed an Emily's List petition before or, you know, whatever, various um, organizations that advocate for that type of thing. But, um you know, it was it was kind of like a, a really bad sign to me that, you know, we couldn't even muster the Google juice to kind of go to the mat and, like, again, like get people calling, get people, you know, haranguing, haranguing whatever senator, you know, they felt was a, was a weak point, you know, someone who could possibly be turned and, and vote for it, you know. And, um, well, I, I'm so gonna, I agree with you. I, I agree with mm-hmm. you completely. It's absolutely frustrating and more than anything to me, uh, you know, like you said, I, I, I saw this coming, mm-hmm. and it's because I, the narrative was controlled by the opponents to the Paycheck Fairness Act. Mm-hmm. 
you know, we got we've got women like Phyllis Shafley and Elaine Chow, and I'm you know I don't want to quote Phyllis or give her any more interest than she already gets, but really they they picked up the banner of it's a job killing trial attorney bonanza, and mm-hmm. and and they ran with it representing women as women leaders, and plenty of other people got on board. But I have to also say, a lot of the really big liberal and progressive websites and blogs and so forth. A lot of the writers that we would otherwise hope to turn to, and I'm not going to name names, although I have one predominantly on the front of my brain, Michael Arrington, um, would not would not actually support this. In okay. fact, many of these so-called men slash comrades in arms, uh, in fact, uh, denigrated it along many of the same lines that uh, Republican and conservative opponents. It's not actually a job killer. That's ridiculous. I don't think there's going to be a flurry of lawsuits. Anyone who has ever considered legal action against a company for discrimination or harassment, and I will raise my hand and admit I am one, and has consulted an attorney, will find out that right away from the get-go they are, in fact, extraordinarily opposed to these kinds of cases because they're very hard to prove. They're very right. hard to win. They're very to be, hard to win money You have on. to be a really clean plaintiff. You have to be, you know, you have to have assiduously documented all along, you know, as far back as you possibly mm-hmm. can. And, I mean, yeah, they're they're very, very hard to, to Your Your case to has win. to be fairly black and white for a lawyer to just go, let's go. Let's right. move on it. Yeah, right. And in yeah. general, they're going to turn you away. In general, even ambulance-chasing attorneys are going to say, uh-uh, not worth my while. Yeah. Anytime mm-hmm. it comes to discrimination, especially discrimination <clears throat> against women, it is so easy to rationalize. It is so easy to say women should stand on their own two feet. But what, what statements like that do, and this is actually a really good segue to the other big story in the news about proponents of civil rights and rights is it ignores the culture of discrimination that is already Mm -hmm. in place in concrete. And that kind of brings up uh, that little story that was on the table and that's on Momocrats right now, Graham Taylor. Standing up for uh, for rights and the, the teacher. I mean, what did you guys think about that? Oh, I thought, you know I what? thought I, it was so great. I thought we were going to talk about that a little bit later on, though. Cause oh, I, I'm sorry. I feel like there's a little, a little more um, ju- marrow to worry from the bone <laughs> that we're sort of gnawing here, and I feel like sure. um, a big issue for me is um, just um, the way that the left seems unable to sustain um, a really kind of concerted, um, broad based or broadly, you know, um, broadly broached kind of attack or affront um, because we're so divided into our own little subjects and we don't, you know, our own issues and we don't necessarily see, you know, the value of coalition or we're just so busy, you know, being spun around and whipsawed by, you know, the right-wing narrative of the day that, um, you know, we lose our own footing and we, you know, we lose the capacity to kind of say, well, let's link arms here, we're going to go for that, you know, that's going to be our goal, you know, screw the, screw the right-wing nut jobs, you know. So I think, I think that's kind of my, my concern because, you know, I just remember uh, leading right up to November 2nd was just a, a lot of information came out about the U.S. Chamber, about third-party donations that were anonymous. Um, there's no mandate for them to be, you know, disclose who who is donating these things and <clears throat> come to find out, you know, it's Bahrain, it's like, you know, United Arab Emirates, it's Germany, it's, you know, France, it's all these countries um, overseas with U.S. Chamber sort of connections. And um, and that it was just built into like this huge, powerful surge. And now I feel like after the election, um, you know, was it purely for political purposes? If so, that really sucks because I feel like, you know, none of that energy carried over into okay, ma- let's make sure that the Disclose Act gets passed, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it's just dissipated. Yeah. We've completely lost momentum on that. So I feel like that's very frustrating to me to see these things get a little bit of traction. You know, you were st- you 
a lot of information came out from like Think Progress and you know um, Center for American Progress, the research they've done over there. Um, just the legwork of digging up this kind of information and really being tenacious with it. And it seemed to be getting you know New York Times, uh, you know coverage um, in sort of mainstream media networks, so on and so forth. And and now I feel like it's just gone, it's vanished, and it's you know it, we're back in amnesia land. Very mm-hmm. frustrating. Yeah. So- we're being led by the neck, all of us, on the conservative agenda. And I and I, I think that, you know, I, I was listening to, uh, I've been really struggling with the economy and the plans, you know, the, there's big plans coming out this week, um, recommendations, you know, and, and what, what do we need to do? And there's such an argument, and they had uh, on On Point with Tom Ashbrook yesterday, they had, you know, a plethora of experts and they they couldn't agree. You know, they agreed we had a problem, um, but what they couldn't agree on was the difference between solving it via increasing income and decreasing spending or just decreasing spending. I, how are you supposed to solve that when, when even top experts say, no, that's not going to work? I thought the most compelling argument came from uh, Joe something. I apologize. I can't remember his name out of Princeton. And he was saying, you know, look, Here's the bottom line. You can't look at people and say tighten your belt because the vast majority of the nation has not had a loose belt. They have not been mm-hmm. running through this this party lifestyle. We talk about, you know, the party lifestyle, and he said, but the truth of the matter is, and the metaphor he used, which made perfect sense to me, although everybody else was confused by it, was there has been 2% of Americans behind a velvet rope having a great private party in an elite part of the bar you know they've been behind the curtain the rest of us have been in that open pub you know with sawdust on the floor and 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 you know peanut shells living off pretzels and cheap beer (laughs) yeah yeah living off pretzels and cheap beer you know and having to pick up our own tabs meanwhile it's open bar behind the velvet rope for that two percent of americans yeah and that you know to say you have to tighten your belt and we're going to extend those tax cuts to those people you know he said the truth of the matter is we're not making good choices, and that that made a lot of sense to me. And I think the problem we continue to have is there's a vested interest here opposing things like the Disclosure Act and the Paycheck Fairness Act and economic recovery. Uh, you know, and there's a vested interest, and it's people who think, well, you know what, this is not going to be good for my business. I mean, I hate to keep going back to Texas Rep. Joe Barton, but the truth of the matter is this guy wants to be in charge of – a key position, the Health, Energy, and Commerce Committee, and this is the guy who apologized to BP CEO Tony Hayward with the quote-unquote $20 billion, $20 billion shakedown that the White House issued to BP. Are you kidding me? He wrote a letter of apology to BP. <laughs> yeah. I, I think what I think you know I, I think we're all still licking at least I am still licking a little bit the wounds in November second, <laughs> you oh, know, yeah. um, and and still sort of digesting you know what what all that meant as, as far as anyone can look into a crystal ball and you know divine what voters were thinking, um, but you know. For, for those of us who are political junkies, we were very clued into like, okay, these are the chess moves. Uh, Boehner becomes GOP leader, of, you know, Speaker of the House, and you know, Joe Barton, you know, probably the the head of the House Energy and Commerce Committee, et cetera, et cetera. So like, we could sort of see these moves coming, and we could, you know, alert each other to that, and, and get alarmed, and you know, get worried, and you know, try to tell as many people as possible. But I really felt like um, there's there's probably a huge gap between the political junkie those of us, and then you mm-hmm. know the people who just try to get through every day, you know, intact and with three squares, and you know, make sure the kids get picked up and all the rest, you know. So, I think the struggle for me is in the long term thinking about how to kind of broaden that engagement so that people do understand the stakes. Because it was very frustrating to me to learn that only twenty percent of you know new voters. Um, between the ages of 18 and, say, 29, the so-called Obama demographic, only 20% of them came out to vote this time around, you know? And so it was kind of like, well, we had, you know, an amazing 2008. People really just kind of 
sucked it up and they just, you know, were propelled along by, you know, the media, excitement, and just it was everywhere. And I think that, um, you know, now we're sort of looking at the harsh reality of midterm elections where you've got, you know, sort of your base voters and your diehard folks and, and looking at, you know, the, the stark reality of, a lot of those 2008 voters not coming back and maybe not realizing what the stakes were, you know? You know, I think a great point to point out to people is I think exactly what you said is one of the reasons why we all got on board to reboot this Mamacrat show was because I think the biggest tool we have right now that we need to be utilizing for 2012 is awareness. We need Mm -hmm. to be bringing those middle road Americans who aren't diehard junkies like the rest of us, you know, like like our group of people, you know, those Mm -hmm. of us on the show, and bring them, make them aware because it's lack of awareness is what cost us the election. That's bottom line. We can debate everything else, but bottom line, it was lack of awareness on those, for those voters who are, who walk the middle of the road, you know, and it reminds me, there was a movie with Michael Douglas a few years ago, the American president, I'm sure you guys had seen it, and there's a speech he does towards the end, when the right wing has really started to come down in the movie, similar to kind of what we've, what we've seen in the last couple years, and he, he tells the American people, he said, all it is, is they're appealing to the Americans who are going through rough times, and they're telling you you should be mad. They're telling you who you should blame for it, and they're getting you all worked up. You know, I'm yeah. paraphrasing, of course. But, well, because and the that's biggest motivator is fear and anger. That that drives people to the exactly. polls more than anything else, fear and anger do. I'm going to actually agree and disagree with both of you. I think it's true <laughs> that to some degree some Americans didn't understand the stakes and how important it is to vote across all levels in every election. Because whether you're voting for the dog catcher in your town or the president Mm -hmm. of the United States, it matters because it sets a course of action in motion. So perhaps people do not understand those stakes. But you know what? I don't think there was a lack of knowledge about the issues. I think everybody I talk to on the street, at the school, in the dog park, you know, watching more issues than ever before, I think, were on the television, were on the radio, were being discussed in common culture. We have such a deluge of information via social media. I think people did know the issues, and I think they did know the stakes on the issues. I think, though, they didn't necessarily understand all the angles, or the ramifications. Right, right. And that's kind of, I also meant that when I said awareness. I mean, like the Paycheck Fairness Act is a good example. I mean, really, if people really understood and were aware of what it was, don't you think there would have been a much bigger public outcry in support of it? But instead, people were sucked into just that general explanation of it being a job killer and you know, so there 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 wasn't this active army of people calling their senators. Yes and no, because I live in Texas, a.k.a. the red state, and I'm surrounded mm-hmm. by people. And there are people who it doesn't matter, and this goes back to the thing that Sin and I had a very long conversation about recently, <laughs> the study the study about misperception. And the fact of the matter yeah. is facts don't matter. When you have something that you perceive in a particular way, it doesn't matter how many facts are thrown at you, you will dig into your perception even deeper. And I think that's what happens. A lot of people genuinely, sincerely, it doesn't matter how many facts you they do not believe in the Paycheck Fairness Act. And that is that is at the core of the conservative philosophy and belief system and I am surrounded by people where I live and I am not saying in a judgment this is not standing in judgment of them or their beliefs I'm simply saying I understand this to be where they are mm-hmm. and where they are is here I don't think we need the Paycheck Fairness Act if you can't pull up your own boots with your own two hands over your own feet you don't deserve anything it's an entitlement and I guarantee you it doesn't matter how many facts there are a lot of people who, at the core, have that philosophy about it. And that goes for yeah. any of these things that they consider, quote, unquote, entitlements, whether it's paycheck fairness. As soon as you put forth anything that can be spun by the conservative narrative to say this is an entitlement, I guarantee you, you're going to lose an entire group of people, and they're, you know, obviously over 50% of the population. <sighs> oh, it's... 
<laughs> well, I just made you all want to. <laughs> I know that's well. Well, I think I'm sorry. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you saw a piece. I, I know we have our um, guest, um, Celtic diva, Linda, from Alaska, who's going to come on. In, She's in not on the line and, yet, but I, yeah. I will let you guys yeah. know when she is. I am keeping but, an eye out for her. But I uh, but I do want to just say that, um, you know, I saw a piece right before November 2nd that Jody Jacobson, who writes a lot for um, Re- Reproductive Health Reality Check, um, and, you know, I, mm-hmm. I love her work. She's just always so on point. And she said, uh, you know, I have a confession to make. I was an Obama mama in 2008. I, like, left it all on the road in terms of making sure that every voter that I could reach would get to the polls. I mean, I just, you know, she kind of went to these great lengths. She was someone who uprooted from her home and went to another state and, you know, canvassed and just, like, you know, poured every last bit of might into making this election happen in 2008. And she said, you know, I just can't find myself doing that in 2010. There have just been enough kind of setbacks for me as a woman, as someone who believes strongly in pro-choice in terms of this administration and just certain things that were allowed to happen in Congress with the health care reform bill that uh, I, I just cannot, I mean, I will vote Democratic, but I just cannot put out the same kind of, um, overwhelming effort that I put out, you know, in 2008, you know, for a couple of different reasons, but largely because she really felt like, you know, there was a pro-choice agenda that really got plowed under, and admittedly, it took a lot of hits, you know. I mean, I was really, really mad about the Stupak-Pitts amendment, and I think we're still in a very gray area in terms of whether contraception is considered preventative, and, you know, I see, obviously, you know, a, a big argument brewing right, that threatens to pop up every so often with the people who are so extreme that they they want to ban not just abortion but contraception, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and arguments against federal funding for contraception, um, which I just think is so extreme. So, you know, mm-hmm. I think it's a combination of a, a lot of people who maybe, you know, sat out and were so repulsed by Obama and repulsed by, you know, McCain-Palin because they weren't hard right enough and for whatever reason, they sort of self, self-censored and maybe fell out of the vote a little bit. But then this, in 2010, they came sort of roaring back, and then I think it was, you know, a lot of very strongly progressive women who um, had really kind of put out extraordinary effort in 2008 and then were not able to kind of summon the same kind of energy, you know, for 2010, um, whether it was because of, like, these kinds of legislative dings that health care reform picked up or whether it was because... Um, you know, they just kind of didn't – it was like a once-in-a-lifetime sort of amount of effort, you know, that some people put forth. And I think to expect people to put the same amount of effort out, you know, for every election is, is just unrealistic. It is, so. but well, I think you got your finger on an back important – Back in 2012. Yeah, I think you got your finger on an important pulse there, Sam, though. I, I, I completely agree with the idea that the losses – people mustered up more energy for this election than I've seen in a really long time. And I think it's because they wanted change. And seriously, within two years, the majority of the nation decides, no, we don't want change. We want to go back to just the way we were. Where does that come from? And why did we not muster up energy to to beat that back down, Um, for lack of a better way to say that? That was a terrible way to say it. But, you know, I think you're right. Mm -hmm. Yep. I, I mean, we we actually do have our guests on the done. line, okay. ladies. Oh, we have our well, is Kelsey with us? Hi. Okay, so we can we can you know make the transition. <laughs> oh. Okay. You, okay. We have her on the line. You want to go ahead and give her an introduction, Sam? Oh well, um, I became aware of Celtic Diva's work um, as uh, she was a DNC credentialed blogger um, at uh, the the big convention in 2008, just like Momocrats was. And so, um, of course, when you know we had our shining moment of Obama accepting the nomination, and then almost immediately afterwards, the large bummer of learning that Sarah Palin was the uh, vice presidential candidate for um, McCain, the McCain-Palin ticket, um, almost immediately, you. You know, there were all these Alaska progressive bloggers who suddenly came to the, the forefront, and I became aware of Celtic Diva's work through that. Do you prefer to go by Linda or Celtic Diva? Which one? 
Oh, uh, uh, Linda Kellen Beagle is what I go by now. Okay, so. great. Yeah, okay. Some of us go by pseudonyms. I go by cinematic, so I just don't know which. But, yeah, so we, I think uh, many of us have really kind of turned to, you know, um, Blue Oasis, Celtic, the the site that Celtic Diva runs, Linda runs, um, and a, a lot of other sort of Alaska-based Alaska sites, you know, to kind of figure out, like, who is this Palin woman? <laughs> Why won't she go away? <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're still asking this question um, two years after we were perhaps hoping not to. <laughs> well, uh, I, I can tell you that, um, you know, when I was, uh, um, you know, at the at, in Denver. Um, and had that whole elation of that wonderful speech, and you know, I had my daughter with me there, so mm. I am a true mommocrat. I bring my mm. my daughter around oh, with yeah. me because I want her to get all the experiences she can, and you know, formulate her own ideas. And uh, so she was there and was able to witness the speech, you know, uh, President Obama's speech, you know, uh, uh, at the time. <coughs> Excuse me, and. Uh, then, uh, believe me, when I got the phone call at uh, 4 o'clock in the morning, Alaska time, uh, 7 o'clock, or 6 o'clock in the morning, Denver time, um, from my uh, news friend um, who said, you have to get up now and <laughs> watch <laughs> CNN. And I'm like, are you crazy? The, is the convention's over. Why do I care? And they said that McCain had announced. And I said, again, why do I care? And he said, it's Governor Palin. And I completely lost it and woke up the entire house and we all started watching CNN. And, yeah, and that's when the phone calls from the New York Times and everything started. All the the contacts I made at the convention suddenly started calling. Or I should Uh say the bosses started calling. (laughs) I said, oh, you're from Alaska, aren't you? So, yes, it's been, and we've wondered when it was going to stop, too, and we've decided now that it's never going to stop. Uh, yeah. Well, I think, you know, we, we're sort of using this opportunity of her um, TLC uh, Discovery Channel uh, show, purportedly about, you know, Alaska and its wilderness and beauty and so on and so forth, but seemingly really more like an extended uh, political commercial for Sarah, the, the brand Sarah Palin. Um, you know, so we wanted to kind of take that opportunity to, you know, talk with you more about it and um, kind of also I think everyone's wondering, you know, 2012? Uh. Well, I don't think there's any question. I mean, I think that the uh, if anybody saw the Sarah Pack video that she released the day after the election, <laughs> I was like, okay, you just can't wait, can you? <laughs> and I think she's given everybody every indication. And we've heard the scuttlebutt for a long time, and I think it's now kind of down to a dull roar as opposed to just scuttlebutt mm-hmm. that uh, we believe she's going to announce on Reagan's birthday in February. Uh-huh. So, and, and that's been going around for a long time now. And I think that knowing... Sarah Palin, I, I I can't imagine that she would announce on any other day. So well, that's that's interesting because the Reagan Library is here in Southern California where I'm based, and I saw something. I think it was on Talking Points Memo that said, "Oh, you know, there's going to be like this big sort of presidential debate of all the tentative candidates. You know, anyone who's sort of." Wanting to, you know, say, "Hey, I'm, I'm going to go to the, I'm going to the prom. Here's my ticket," you know, uh, is going to be there. So I'm wondering if maybe, you know, it'll it'll be there in Yorba Linda or wherever the uh, Reagan Library is. Um, if you know, she'll do that at the Reagan Library on his birthday. I think that would just be too much. I think. Well, I think that, and I think that's exactly what she's going to do. Okay. Because she has, you know, because she is too much. Right. <laughs> and right. I mean, wh- how else would she do that but to steal other someone else's thunder? Right. So, and I think that is his hundredth birthday, right? That's, Was this, he, this, is he really that old? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Well, you know, for a dead guy, he looks pretty good. But <laughs> he does, and and he of does. course, my dog is starting to bark, so I apologize for the high pitched Sheltie, um, uh, Sheltie sound you're about to hear on the phone. So. Yeah, no worries. I think we've all been attacked by cats during the course of the station, whether <laughs> the show, whether anyone's heard it or not. So it's okay. <laughs> okay, good. Well, he's calmed down now. He just when the snow falls off the roof, he immediately thinks he's under attack, so he starts barking. <laughs> Well, you know, when... I have a question. Oh, go ahead. Did someone... 
Uh, well, I was going to say, so if it if it's looking like she is going to run, I mean, really, do, what's your thoughts? Do you really think she has a shot? I mean, I know the American public, we can never say for sure, but do you really think it's a realistic shot at becoming president if, if she throws her hat into the ring? Um, honestly, I think there's a realistic shot of her becoming the um, Republican nominee. Um, mm-hmm. But... And, and when I say realistic, I mean, like, the planets really have to align. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has mm-hmm. to, you know, make sure she doesn't do anything really stupid in the next couple of years. So that, you know, like I said, the planets really have to align. Um, but I, I think that's a distinct possibility. Do I think that she has the potential of becoming um, president? You know, I I would have said, if you'd have asked me this a year ago, I'd say, oh, absolutely, no way. But I think that if things go just absolutely, if a horrible, huge, big, you know, cataclysmic event happens and for some reason people suddenly think that the that someone who, you know, can't stay in a job for their full term, you know, and, and, and that's a history of, you know, can't stay in a job for a full term for her, mm-hmm. um, uh, is the person who's going to solve our problems, then, you know, sure, anything's possible. Um, I'm I'm definitely not going to say no. There's no possible way because every time I said no, there's no possible way about her. She's proven me wrong. So mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. remarkable tenacity. Well, and <laughs> and the, 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 concern, the biggest concern for me with her is that it seems that we are allowing her as a country to change the the way that candidates deal with. The media, as in they don't deal with the media anymore, they're, they're, we're allowing her to, I personally think, abuse the use of social media. You know, I, mm-hmm. she gets to put out her manifestos on, on Facebook, and, and there's no questioning by the media. There's no, you know, no interviews, nothing like that. And, and my concern is that, you know, if, that, if we continue to allow her to deal with the public that way, that's no way to vet a candidate. So and as you see all of her all of the can, a lot of the candidates that she supported they started to take their cues from her in how they dealt with the media which yeah. is they completely shut it out and the public seems to be allowing that so that's my big concern about her yeah. involvement I I absolutely agree I was appalled that mainstream media seemed to be perfectly okay with letting Rand Paul just, like, not ever participate in a debate. You know, what's your name? Sharon Angles deciding, like, well, when I'm elected, then I'll give a news conference. I mean, what the heck, right? I mean, what happened to the the agonizing months of vetting, <laughs> it right. was called, of Obama, Clinton, you know, the, the numerous Democratic candidates during that primary? I mean, that just seemed to be sort of agonizing details, sort of like, you know, TSA, um, you know, bodily inspection, cav- in, you know, personal cavity inspection quality, you know, <laughs> search, you know. And, Thanks and, and, for that visual, but yeah. <laughs> well, it was topical. And yet we have this totally hands-off, like, oh, yeah, sure, wave you on through, no problem, you know, kind of thing when it comes to the Republican or Tea Party, whatever, candidates. Uh, I'm just kind of really shocked by the double standard and and I'm really appalled that no one in the public thought they had a right to say we we need to know what you think, we need to know what your stances are. We may have questions that are not part of what, you know, mainstream media might ask you, but are nevertheless legitimate and we want to know about. You know, I was really kind of upset that the public seemed so flabby in its, you know, and in its acquiescence. Well, I find that you know, I, I find that the um, that there's an interesting metaphor. The the other Palin is, is kind of showing an interesting metaphor in the other reality TV show right now, as in Bristol on Dancing with the Stars. Um, you know, who has been in the absolute bottom of voting for almost the entire time she's been on the show, and because of the fanatical. Palin followers who vote, you know, incessantly for her. She's now in the finals. Right. And um, you know, I was writing a, a starting to write a piece today and one of the things I said is, you know, I have a daughter who has who's on the honor roll, who's a talented singer 
and a mus you know musician and you know in band and she's doing all of this work on you know all of this and I try to tell her that all of this will pay off years and years of of work and um you know and, and having talent will pay off and then you mm -hmm. see this person on TV who's you know uh you know basically you know got knocked up got famous for it and you know can't really dance at all in comparison to the rest of the people yet it's very possible she's going to win the show right so right. i think that's a great metaphor for palin it doesn't isn't actually what you're able to do or what you can do or what knowledge you have it's whether or not you're popular right it's it's yeah. the prom queen it's the prom queen philosophy right and and i and that's the concern and 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 if that's the case i mean if that's what the public allows then, yeah, she does have a shot at being president. If that's all right. we demand anymore is that they're right. good-looking mm -hmm. and, and popular, then, yeah, she has a shot. Right. So. And that's why I really disagree with progressives who are like, oh, uh, Palin 2012, that would be so awesome. And I'm like, I just don't have the confidence that you do. No. <laughs> that, you know, e despite all the negatives now, she has really high negative ratings, you know, when it comes to approval you know, of of her persona, um, you know, in polls of the public. But regardless, I, you know, I, we've seen like, you know, the American public can want something seventy percent the public option and not get it. And um, you know, so a lot of times, how people feel about things doesn't really seem to have any connection to like a real world result. You know. Well, so. and and you know, and and I know that this has been beaten to death, but Citizens United really has completely. Change yeah. the landscape. Yeah, and we we saw that up here um, with our uh, you know still ongoing <laughs> Senate race, <laughs> right? Um, where it became I mean here in, in a state that's got six hundred thousand people, it didn't become the battle of hundreds of thousands of dollars. It became the battle of millions of dollars. Right. And I mean our our candidate um, Scott McAdams, who's a wonderful wonderful find as the mayor of Sitka just you have no idea what kind of well-rounded candidate he turned out to be um you know he raised a million dollars a million dollars a man who was not even known mm -hmm. and he couldn't even that couldn't even scratch the surface yeah. of the of the independent expenditures that both Lisa Murkowski and Joe Miller ended up pulling off right so you know that's <laughs> changed the what were the final figures? Was it something like six or seven, eight million dollars poured into we, the Senate race in Alaska? Well, I was actually I was actually at a meeting last night, and that's one mm -hmm. of my tasks is I have to go um, go out and take a look at that, and it's not that easy to do because with the independent expenditures, you actually have to be able to go on the FEC site and know who you're looking for, and I don't, mm. so I have to go do a lot of research because there's a number of different groups that donated to Lisa Murkowski, a number of different groups that donated to Joe Miller. Right. And, uh, and you know, the difference with Scott McAdams said, I'm not taking any of that money, and he didn't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So here, you know, here's the guy who actually took the little tiny, you know, $25, um, you know, uh, donations from people, and, and he's the guy that just completely, by the end of the um, by the end of the uh, uh, campaign, was they just drowned him in, yeah. in TV ads, and he there's no way he could fight back. Right. I think we uh, what a big lesson that I also took away from 2010 is that TV is really part of the problem. Yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, their mm -hmm. their TV news and TV networks in general are. You know, they were kind of staring into the abyss for a little while in terms of their bottom line, right? And now um, I think they've discovered that, you know, hey, this U.S. Chamber's money gets funneled into political ads that then need to be shown on our stations. Awesome. We're really well, fine with that. We're good with that, you know? Well, and I um, think that I think that the um, – but it, once again – because now the media is all corporately owned, mm -hmm. it goes back to corporations. I think that it all yeah. goes back to corporations. Right. And I guess right. to bring that full circle back to Sarah Palin, uh, in full disclosure, I have not seen the entire first episode. I've seen lots of clips and, and, and that, and I've, of course, read, read full summaries because I usually can't I can't watch a full hour of her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just can't well, it's it. a bad reflex still works it's very difficult yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> i promise if you want to talk about this again next week i will force myself to watch it this week but um <laughs> but but i will say that one of the things that that we alaskans have discussed is um 
you know, I looked at that and, and I had a friend of mine say to me, so when's the last time you went on a guided fishing trip? And I started laughing, and I said, 15 years ago when my parents came up, we don't go fishing with guides. We go fishing on our own. Right. We have, mm-hmm. you know, Alaska residents have the ability to do personal use fishing, which mm-hmm. is, you know, going out and set netting and, and doing all of those kinds of things. Uh-huh. And, you know, that, that's what the real Alaskans do. Right. You know, we, don't, yeah. we, don't, we can't afford to pay, um, you know, $150 a person for a guide. Uh-huh. And, and mm-hmm. so what she's showing is very much – Alaska that the corporations want you to see, that mm-hmm. they want the tourists to come up and pay for. She, right. They're not showing the real Alaska, what we deal with every day. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, let's let's go rent a um, uh, canoe and go over to Eagle River and, you know, whitewater down Eagle River. I mean, you know, not a guided whitewater trip or something like that. Mm-hmm. that that's, that's just not what, what happens for most Alaskans. Because yeah. we can't afford to do the things that she's doing. We can't afford fly-in trips. Right. And, and, and so and I have to Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Finish your thought. <laughs> no, that's fine. Go right ahead. Oh, well, I was going to say that I'm I'm from California. I've never been to Alaska, but one of my my first real jobs that I worked at for a few years here in the Bay Area is for an environmental firm and our our main contract was uh, Exxon Valdez restoration. So, right. we constantly had a lot of people from Alaska coming and going from our office and my coworkers coming and going cuz that was the main focus of our job and and everyone I met during those years that I was working on that restoration were the exact opposite of everything I've seen about Sarah Palin since she first came into the national spotlight. And that's something that's always hung on my head since that time she first came into the spotlight. She is the exact opposite of everyone I've ever known who was born and raised, grew up in Alaska. And as someone who's there, I mean, is that kind of, do you find that to be true as well? I mean, because that's what I'm getting from this this show as well well and i i am i'm a, a a democrat and my husband and i well my husband is now too i don't know that he's told his family that yet but uh <laughs> um but and we are um and, and his family um is very much on the opposite side of the political fence but we all because you know we all get along very well we just never talk about politics at a family gathering mm. and uh you know, I look at his mother as being what Sarah Palin claims to be. The, this is a woman who, who, you know, raised nine children. She, you know, cans all of her own, you know, a lot of her own food. She, um, you know, work, makes quilts. She, you know, cans salmon um, and fishes and, and does, you know, all of the things that that Palin claims to do. And, you know, the thing is, and I, you know, I can, I garden, I fish, I do all of those things. And, you know, if you do all of those things, you don't have time to run for office. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's like it, it, when you look at the reality of people who live up here and actually do, you know, live here because we love Alaska and love what the land has to provide, um, you know, we're not we – don't, we don't leave in the summertime. I don't leave because I don't want to. The summer's mm-hmm. too short. Mm-hmm. And she was barely here this summer. Mm. So, it, it, that I, so, no, I don't think Sarah Palin um, – when I, when I met Sarah Palin in May 2008, um, she had just had her baby, and uh, she was coming to an event that I had organized and so I got a chance to meet her, and this was before everything. This was she was governor. She was still very popular. No one knew anything negative about her. I had nothing against her. Um, and then, and then I, and then I saw her again after the campaign at the turkey, uh, <laughs> at the turkey pardoning fiasco. I don't know if you guys ever saw the videos of that. Oh, did it involve sort of a, a wood chipper and a and a turkey? It wasn't no. a wood chipper. It was. It yes, they were actually you know twisting the heads off. Yes, it was. Oh, it was. Okay. Yeah, it was. I was there. The I was the only blogger there. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, no one knew that that was ever going to turn into what it was. <laughs> I just went because I wanted to see her, and she was a completely different person. And what it reminded me of, as somebody who's a twelve-step person. Uh-huh. is mm-hmm. is the before picture was before she'd had a taste of that um heroin known as public adoration. Uh, and right. after was she was she was jonesing for it again. Uh-huh. 
Uh-huh. And this, her the turkey thing was her attempt at at trying to get back what the feeling mm-hmm. because she was dressed completely differently, her hair was compl- everything was different. Mm-hmm. Now, and, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I I tend to think that there's sort of a limit, maybe, as to how much you know, sort of homophobic Facebook banter and pseudo celebrity gossip that you know, Willow and um, Bristol can generate um, that would be good for Sarah Palin's reputation. And and, and I sort of view, like, Levi Johnston as maybe a little bit of an ace in the hole. (laughs) I'm sort of hoping maybe a few more revelations will come out of him. But, um, you know, I'm really kind of interested in the question of how to stop, stop the madness. And, you know, we at MamaCraft, like, when we first heard about her, we were, like everyone else, you know, scratching our heads and trying to find more information about her views, what she stood for, you know, just on a policy basis, like, what is this woman all about? And, um, you know, now it's sort of ballooned into this um, phenomenon, and uh, I think, you know, we're all sort of wondering, it's not good for the country, but on the on the sort of personal level, like, Wow, you know, I I don't know how much more I can really talk about this person um, without just kind of losing it altogether. And so, you know, I'm really sort of interested in thinking about ways to really just pop the balloon somehow. And if you have any suggestions, I would love to hear them. Well, you know, I I was actually, and just to set the record straight, I was the only blogger to file an ethics complaint against her, and I only filed one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because both of those have been twisted, you know, mm. into I filed like tons of them and all the bloggers up here filed them and that was not the case. Mm-hmm. Um and so I mean we've done that's the very frustrating thing for me mm-hmm. is and it's not just Palin, it's also Alaska in general mm. is that we're doing what we can and and you know I'm you know I just I have an APOC complaint right now pending against a legislator mm. and and you know kind of doing what we can to try to clean up our state and you know but when Palin was the governor we we were doing everything we could to um you know try and um you know shine a light on the things that were going on and you know we discovered that while when they created the constitution here in Alaska having a strong governor seemed like a really good idea we have the strongest governor in any of the 50 states they have more power up here than in any of the 50 states and and the attorney general is appointed by the governor um and we discovered that in the wrong hands <laughs> that can be a really bad thing mm-hmm. and and she was definitely the wrong hands so it, we've done I mean, we've worked very hard to try to shine a light on what she's done, and and I think we we did. We led them, you know, we were in constant contact with the media during while she was running for vice president. Um, they were asking us all the time, you know, what we knew, who to talk to, that kind of thing. And I think we did the very best that we could. And for some reason, you know, she's covered with Teflon. I don't know, you know, how to make things. Yeah. and how to make people look at that and then take it seriously. She's got a very good, she plays the victim very well mm-hmm. and uh, can turn it around and make it look like she's being persecuted, you know, which which is different than being prosecuted. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I, all I can say is that we know that, and we've all talked about this, yeah. that when she announces, the media is going to come back. We know uh-huh. that. Yeah. And that's all we can do, I guess, is just continue to shine a light on the things that we know, do our very best. But, you know, it comes with a price. Mm-hmm. It definitely comes with a price. Um, you know, of, of, you know, I have a folder of, thousand, of about a thousand hate mails mm-hmm. and threats and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, it, it, so I mean, but I'm willing to go through it. I mean, I think all of us are because we know how important it is to right. have people know the truth. Yeah. Now, and I, I on, guess I, on that note, uh-huh. oh, I, I just wanted to say we only have about a minute left. Okay. Well, I just, so, I guess I just um, wanted I, one last question, maybe. Um, do you think? I mean, Miller was her endorsed candidate, so now that he's kind of going down, I mean, you know, does this does this at all diminish her so-called influence? Well, the problem is that they didn't vet him before they before they uh, before they supported him. 
And so many things came out on him that were so negative that even the guy with a bronze star couldn't get elected. Uh-huh. So I don't know that – I don't think that his, her influence had a whole lot to do with us in Alaska. It had more to do with getting the Tea Party Express to support him. I see. So her, yeah, she isn't as big a deal up here as people think she is. It's right. in lower 48. She's a big deal. Right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, well, Linda. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. We yeah. so appreciate it. Oh, it's sure. Well, thanks so for asking me. I appreciate it. Yeah. We'll have to we'll have to have you on again. I'm sure that we'll have to um, think of a way to kind of chip away at that Teflon. Well, and just to let you know, we're going to have to have some serious brainstorming sessions, and we can do it right here on the show. <laughs> well, and, and to let you and know, thank you to Sin and Julie. Thank you. Also, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> and we're well. We're just about out of time. And tune in next week for Mama Crap Mama Chat. Thank you to everyone who was uh, tuning in this morning and who will be later listening to the link. Uh, thank you, ladies, and everybody. Have a good week and. I hope uh, everyone's able to get prepared for their holiday nice and smooth and refrigerators are all in working order. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Thank you. Bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.